Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We're also going to review Alan Taylor's Thor The Dark World, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some feedback for Thor. Kind of-ish. We'll get to it. Anyway. Um, we're back. Maybe a little out of form, seeing as how we haven't done a normal episode in a little while. But, uh, hope you guys missed us. Because now we're back. You we are have, back. You have more Midwest filmers to listen to. Willie's back. I am. After a month of being away, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Second month this well, year. Well, you know, you, it's, uh... If you count my Friday the 13th thing, I That's guess true. I haven't That's really true. been away. Been that long. I haven't right. done a standard episode in a while. No, yes. school... I'm I'm graduating soon. Yeah. Graduating from the college soon. And um, it's going to... It, it's been pretty hectic because not only do... It's not like the, your professors don't just stop giving you homework just because you're graduating. No, yeah. yeah, I thought they would do that. Nope. No, I didn't. They, they, they don't get that memo. I knew they wouldn't. But regardless, so I apologize to our listeners that... For some reason, like listening to me in particular, if there's anyone that's okay. That does. They got they got two hours of you out of the, the yeah. Friday the Thirteenth. So. Yeah, my finest. Uh, glad to hear that people have liked the Friday the Thirteenth episodes. Like I said, we want to try and do some sort of bonus episode per month, and uh, I don't know what we're gonna do this week. I think if I keep or this month, but I might just have to double down and commit on the Kyle Chandler retrospective with Danny Wilson and Tim Long. (laughs) But uh, Since I just found out about the existence of Early Edition, (laughs) and the plot blows my mind. Early Edition's amazing, It's so good. It's so good. I never even knew it was a thing. My first exposure to Kyle Chandler. But um, anyway, so yeah, we're glad glad you liked the the bonus episode. Uh, Let us know if you have any ideas what you want to hear. We're open to more retrospectives or... We want to try and do a movie commentary at some point, but we got to figure out what the right movie would be and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, how we're going to do it. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how to start an episode anymore, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the skill has left me. Uh, I wanted to say uh, last week on the Nerdist podcast was Marvel Week. They had some really, really good stuff on there. Go check it out. It was an interview with Clark Gregg. There was one with Tom Hiddleston and one with Kevin Feige, and all three of them were very, very cool. So anybody who listens to us will also appreciate those. But yeah, so what we've been watching. Nick, what have you been watching? Uh, Well, I saw 12 Years a Slave and All is Lost. As back to I. back, you did. <laughs> you were seated next to me, in fact. Yes. Alex and I made a made a double date night out of it. Uh, <clears throat> saw those two, both pretty soul crushingly <laughs> intense and sad movies. Uh, I liked them both. I was looking forward to Always Lost for some reason. I don't know why. I just saw the trailer and was like, "That looks neat." I liked it for the most part. It lived up to my expectations. We should did. say it's Robert Redford on a boat. and uh, It's the old man in the sea, kind of. Yeah. But our man in the sea with <laughs> Robert Redford. Uh, he's the only cast member credited and because he's the only cast member. There's an arm <laughs> also in the movie. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen it, like me, I'm very confused by what this arm means. Good. Yeah. yeah. Now my interest has peaked. Excellent. That's the hook. Um. Yeah, what, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, I don't know how to further an episode I was, anymore. <laughs> I was surprised at how engaging uh, All Is Lost is. Uh, it's it's an hour and forty long, and it seems a little uh, 
the pacing gets a little slow, a little bogged down, but that kind of happens when you have one character on screen the whole time. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's all conti- like even things like, uh, I don't know if Barry did it, but there are some movies that kind of cheat the, the, uh, bottle, the bottle aspect of a movie by like doing flashbacks and things like that. And there really isn't, there's none of that in this movie. And wow. It's very interesting. It, they did a very good job of Redford does an amazing job of, you know, being interesting, being interesting and playing like a believable punt. Like you believe that Robert Redford is out on this yacht, you know, repairing a hole inside of a ship, that kind of thing. So, um, that was very cool. 12 years a slave. All the performances were out amazing. of control. Yeah. Just very, very good. <clears throat> Shall we tell a geo four? Fantastic. Uh, I was really, really impressed with 12 years a slave. Yeah, and it's uh, once again, it's also a very compelling story. And I think you said at some point, Nick, that it kind of gets a little bogged down in the middle. But it's 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 like your mind is just trying to. Yeah, I don't think. I bet if I saw it again, it it wouldn't. I don't think it was that it really got bogged down or slower, boy. It was just that my brain was like, "Help!" Like, <laughs> yeah, like I need, I need some. I need, I need release, some yeah. sort of positive thing to occur. But it uh, is a very, very brutal, brutal movie. Yeah, I'd imagine that. Sitting in theaters watching that is how people felt when they were watching Schindler's List in the theater. Like, you just wanted to get away. That's a good point, But you couldn't look away. It was just so well done. I think that serious, serious Oscar consideration to Steve McQueen, Chiwetel, and Michael Fassbender, those three should lock it down. Director Steve McQueen. Yes. Not, uh... (laughs) You'd (laughs) You'd be amazed at how many people think that... It's Steve McQueen. No, I know. The actor. I know. They what think he's still last, alive. His last movie before Shame. this one? Shame. Shame. Okay, that's And then right. he did I, Hunger I before that, all okay. with Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Michael, the last Fassbender. I saw a really interesting interview, actually, with the with McQueen and the bulk of the principal cast, and it was very... <laughs> I'm not going to really reiterate any, but I just think if, if anybody saw 12 Years a Slave and is interested, it, it was a good interview. It was really interesting. The moderator The moderator is pretty awful, but the... the uh, the cast all give really, really good answers, and it's interesting to hear them talk openly about such a heavy movie. But I, I thought it was fantastic. I actually weirdly... Like, that's the one of the ones I've seen in the last few months that I want to go see again. Okay. Just because it was so so intense, so powerful. I think it'd make an interesting double feature with Django Unchained, but I think that would uh, do a disservice <laughs> to 12 Years of Slime. So yeah. don't do that. But um, it's, I highly recommend... I can't recommend it highly enough, though. Yeah, I both both of them are fantastic, uh, beautifully shot, beautifully directed and edited, and fantastic performances all around. So, go check those out. Uh, we could end up talking about one of them more in depth next week, depending on what happens. But I don't know. Um, I went by myself to go see About Time because I really wanted to see it, <laughs> and um, I was expecting some sort of romantic comedy. But it's really not about that at all, and I'm happy. I'm happy that it's still kind of surprised. Like I, I was figuring it was. Oh, you know, it's for those who don't know, it's a movie about a kid who basically finds out that the men in his family have the ability to go back in time and alter how they acted in a situation, basically. <clears throat> and I figured it would kind of be about this kid uh, winning over Rachel McAdams, but messing up several times in the process and going back in time to correct that and it's really that's not that's not in fact rachel mcadams is a relatively small part in the movie which is interesting in my opinion wasn't she in the time traveler's wife <clears throat> yes she Time-cast. was yeah when does eric bano come into this movie 
He does not. Are they feuding over her? He doesn't. Well, you don't know. There's a lot of, you know, she's... It sounds like an X-Men comic, like... It's it's interesting. It's very cool. And it, it ends up being more of a, um... More of a... It's kind of like a delayed coming of age, almost. And, and it's more about, like, father relationships. And it's just... It's it's a very, very interesting movie. And I'm, I'm glad that I got a chance to see it. And the fact that there's, you know... Uh, Ben Folt's song is like the main theme of the movie as well. That helps too. But uh, like like Bill Nye is amazing. Dom Hall Gleason carries the movie on his awkward nerdish charm, and uh, I I definitely recommend it to anybody who's like even remotely interested in that premise. Does this the year mark the return of the coming of age film? I think so. So it came, they came so. back in a big way. In a yeah. big way. This is like the fourth one that I've talked about this year. <laughs> yeah, way, way back. Kings of Summer. Um, uh, that other one. Yeah, there's one more in there. Spectacular now. Yes, yep. yes, yes. So, yeah, it's. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a genre that when well done, when done very well, it can, you know... I wonder if we could draw some correlation between, like, all the directors of them or something. If they're all about the, the same, same age, age. they're yeah. all men who had, like... Those kind of experiences, awkwardly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think the probably um, James Ponsolt of Spectacular Now, and uh, I don't know about Jim Rash and Nat Faxon, like the, mm. the and 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 the person who the the person with three names who did Kings of Summer, they are all probably around the same age. Richard Curtis, who's done Love Actually and all those, he's a, he's a much older. Oh, he did about time. Yeah. Okay. And okay. He's he's. It's interesting because it's like it might just be a coming of age movie. Like maybe in his thirties or forties, he would have made a movie similar to those first three. But about time is kind of accelerated and lengthened in a different way. So it's I don't know. It's interesting to think about. But <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's something in the ether for coming of age movies. I think. So. I like those kinds of movies, so yeah. I'm not angry about it. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a killer segue. You said ether. Could have said. Speaking oh, of ether. Speaking of ether, here's Willie's thoughts on. Um. So, <laughs> so some some 3D screenings apparently of of Thor: The Dark World have a five minute preview of Captain America attached, of the Winter Soldier attached. So, I thought I would talk about that briefly without. You know, giving too much away. For those of you who have seen the trailer, you've seen most of the footage they show. It was a little bit of a longer recut version of that trailer um, with some cool new stuff. A little, a little bit more of, of the Winter Soldier himself in there. Um, but the big thing, of course, was there was a, an actual scene in its full entirety. A fight scene. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, but it, I, I will say that just having watched it, there's a the choreography is amazing. Um, it reminds me a ton of the Bourne franchise fight scenes, um, but with but How's easier the shaky cam? easier to okay. comprehend what's going on. There Good. is a bit of shaky cam certainly. Yeah, but I could always tell who was where. Good. And who was on the on, you know who was on the attack and who was you know so that was cool. And I, it just the the tone the score and everything in this scene is just it's got me so excited to see what this movie is going to be. I think I think at this point I I'm I'm excited for Guardians, but I'm really really getting hyped up for Cap. It's that's funny because I, I, yeah, I've been thinking about the whole like, you know, the um the phase 2 thing in general. Yeah. And um I I'd say it's been a it's been a success thus far. Uh we'll see what everybody thinks of Thor Thor 2, but 
Um, I honestly feel like 2014 is going to be a better year than 2013. Which is pretty crazy. Which is awesome. And I think that at the end of it all, we're going to look at Guardians as one of the coolest, most unique takes on a superhero film ever done. But we're going to look at Captain America as one of the best superhero films ever done. I truly be, feel that way. That would be cool. Like I, I think I'm getting a lot of the vibe of what I liked about Iron Man off of Cap. Because Iron Man 3 is very much a... It's almost like we've reached into... Like, it's reached out of the superhero genre into a second genre, and I think that's kind of what Cap is doing, too, with, like, the whole political mm-hmm. thriller kind of thing. I think it's just very impressive that yeah. we can have a series of films, you know, we, this is our second Captain America film now, that, I mean, really, they're so completely different looking, and, and tonally yeah. they're different, they're in a different time period, so I think, I think it's very cool. And yeah. I think that, you know, if, if Marvel can continue to do that, um, if, if it's anything like the scene I saw, if the rest of the movie is even, like, half that good, it's going to be insanely good like one of my favorites if not my favorites all right i'm excited um speaking of ether (laughs) there it is onto our review of alan taylor's thor the dark world starring uh chris hemsworth natalie portman uh anthony hopkins idris elba billion other people the list is very long christopher eccleston tom hiddleston um stevenson ray Ray stevenson (laughs) Uh, Synopsis on IMDb says, Faced with an enemy that even Odin and Asgard cannot withstand, Thor must embark on his most perilous and personal journey yet, one that will reunite him with Jane Foster and force him to sacrifice everything to save us all. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. Um, So I want to kind of start just real quick, like brief. How did you feel about Thor? And then um, we'll we'll just pass through the... So, Willie, how did you feel about the first installment in the Thor... Um, disregarding the Avengers, it's my favorite Phase One movie. I just okay. the, the themes, the themes in there just felt so like strong and just I don't know. I totally understood what they were trying to accomplish with the movie, and they totally accomplished it perfectly. Um, and it had so much heart. Like it, it just I don't know. It was just it's a great movie. I thought. Okay, Nick. Uh, Thor, Thor thoughts. I hashtag Thor thoughts. Thoughts. I you got a gnarly case of Thor's bro. Um, I I love Thor. It's my favorite Marvel movie to date. I think it's the best. I think it's the most fully realized. Um, I think it's it's just awesome. I saw it in the theater. I thought it was phenomenal, and I, they have yet to top it, in my opinion. I think the 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 themes are so universal. I think it's easily the strongest direction, uh, the best breakout performance. From all the all the young Marvel guys out there, several in fact, uh, both with Thor and Loki, and uh, I don't know. I just think it's great. So my expe- my expectations were pretty high going into Thor: The Dark World when previously they were really low. So yeah, um, I Thor was when I walked out of the theater after seeing Thor. I think it was my least favorite, besides Iron Man two. And um, I think over time, my image of it has gotten better, but I'd have to go through and watch all of them again to really make any good assessment. And it's not that I didn't feel like it failed on anything. I just felt as though my heart is the furthest from Thor than it is anybody else who had a movie at that time. And even after walking out of Captain America later that summer, I was like, I felt like it was such an interesting or cool period piece, like superhero kind of thing that I I, I think I walked out of it enjoying uh, Cap more than I did Thor. 
But that being said, uh, you know, I, I absolutely, I think it provided one of the best villain, the best villain that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever seen. Um, and we can get into that more a little later, but I just think, um, I don't know what about it didn't connect with me, but I think it's just the fact that I, you know, I, that was seriously my first uh, exposure to Thor, really. Mm-hmm. Um, other than like In maybe, any form. yeah, like I think I, you know, yeah. So, all right. Um, thoughts on Thor aside, Willie, how did you feel about Thor: The Dark World? Um, I, en- I I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Um, I think it's if you if you just if you look at it as a sequel to the first Thor movie, it pretty much does everything a sequel should do. You know, it's bigger. It's it's everything you expect from a sequel, I should say. Yeah. It's a little bigger, it's a little louder, a little more action. Um, they add some more characters to it. They do, you know, they continue <clears> to develop <throat> the characters that they set up in the first one. Um, so it, it, it hits all the points that a sequel should hit. And, and for the most part, I really enjoyed it. I do have some, some small issues with it for sure. Um, but I certainly think the, from an action standpoint, this movie trumps the first one. Um, from a story standpoint, not so much okay um but overall i enjoyed the film and i think that uh it'll serve as a good middle chapter if they if they they're considering the first three thors to be some sort of trilogy it'll serve as a good middle chapter in that trilogy yeah so yeah okay nick thor the dark world thorts (laughs) i uh i liked it second thorts second thorts (laughs) i uh food for thorts (laughs) I had a good time watching it. I just kind of sat back and just kind of watched it. I wasn't particularly in, super engaged at any point, which is kind of good and bad. It was. I, I'm glad that it was simple enough that I could just sit there and kind of watch and be like, yeah, I'm having a good time watching this. But at the same time, I wasn't terribly engaged by it most of the time. Uh, but I, I do like it. I think in the end, it'll probably be the worst of the Thor movies. Uh, hope, I think the basically kind of what they're setting up for the third chapter of Thor will probably be really, really good. But I don't think it reaches any, on any level, uh, Thor one. Well, well, no, the action was really cool. Like Willie said, the, the big, the, most of the third act is so, so cool. I was like, that's yeah. when I really got really into it. And I was yeah. audibly saying dumb things in the theater because <laughs> I was really into it. Um, but overall, yeah, it was, it was good. It was very good. Yeah, when you yelled, I love you, Thor, I was like, what are you... Did you yell that? No, he no. Oh my god, I wish you did. For some reason, I could see you doing that. I think it's, it's kind of out of character for you to, like, cry out in the middle of a movie or something, but... Well, next August, I will be. But, no, it, it's good. I think I liked it better than Iron Man 3, on the whole, but... Interesting. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got... All these require a second viewing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I did see it a second time, and some of the issues that I had with it did kind of go away. I walked out of the first viewing um, feeling weird because with the Thor movie, I really need to buy into it. And I've found that I need to buy into it in one of two aspects. And it either needs to look really, really, really good. Like, Asgard needs to look perfect. And it absolutely did in the first movie. And uh, either that or I need it to sound insane. Because the first movie was also extreme. Like I remember commenting on how loud that movie was. Yeah, I, yeah, it was a loud movie. Yeah, and the this this when we went and saw Thor: The Dark World, uh, my first viewing, it was it seemed quiet, and and some of the I felt like they maybe stretched out some of the budget to to cover the fact that they're going to all the realms, and like I think I felt like maybe 
Asgard didn't get as much attention because um, because it because they needed to spend the money elsewhere in order to make Svartalheim look you know more I don't know whatever yeah. but but on the second viewing I didn't have an issue with either of those things and I don't really know if if the theater was any louder or anything would it just it how does the budget actually compare between the two Thors? That's a good question. I will take a look and continue talking. Uh, looks like Svartalheim, they didn't really do anything to. They just filmed in like Iceland, and it was like that's how it looks. And they put kind of a weird greenish filter on. Yeah, basically, you know? yeah, did some color correction. I don't know if we have budget figures for the Dark World yet, but um, box office mojo might. Yeah. So I I did have a few issues with things that ended up happening, and we'll get into that in spoilers. But it didn't really detract from my enjoyment of the movie at all. I. I probably enjoyed it more than I did the first Thor, just purely off of theater going, um, like the the theater going experience. And I, you know, I bought into Thor a little bit more as a character, and um, I've gotten into that universe. And and just the thing that I really like about the Thor movies is that it is very much a marriage between magic and and science. And that's something as a science oriented person, like I like to. I, I, I've always been of the belief that things that we can't explain, like things that science can't yet explain, is known as magic, and that's sure. just basically that's. I, I mean, like look, that. Look at all the myths and legends of that. Even the you know these comic books are based off. Exactly of, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it that um. That's just you know I I like that aspect of Thor. The other thing that I also really liked is that, like eighty percent of this movie is not on Earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they were able to do that. I think that's something that if they were to come to the first movie with that kind of like idea, some other production company would have just been like, no, like we're not going to give you money to make a movie that's like, who's going to see a Thor movie that's not even on Earth. Right. So I think they did that right. I think the first Thor, they definitely spent the right amount of time on Earth. And I think the second one, they definitely took the the liberty to go elsewhere and show the seven realms, which was yeah. very cool. Yeah, he was going to be, I mean, he was always going to be the hardest out of that first set of Absolutely. characters. So it makes a lot of sense. I think there was a lot of concern about blending the worlds of, especially like Iron Man and Thor. Yeah. And I think that there were very, very calculated, one of them calculated uh, decisions, one of them being taking place on Earth, another one being including the character of Coulson because, it, yeah. you know, to make it more organic. But I think now people would buy into this. I mean... Avengers made an insane amount of money, and it's Absolutely. got it's got the god of mischief summoning an alien army. <laughs> yeah, and come on, you know, like yeah. at, at this point, I think we can accept this. Yeah, and that's that's it's good. It's good that they've gotten to this point. Absolutely. Um, it's looking like Thor 2011 was 150 million, and Thor: The Dark World was 170 million. So it wasn't a lot more. It was interesting, pretty close. Um, I wish that we got more out of Malekith. I liked I liked Christopher Eccleston. I thought his voice definitely like and his presence just kind of gave an interesting um, look to Malekith. But that's mm-hmm. all you get out of Malekith because most of his um, expositions and motivations they're they're simple, which makes it hard. But they're all also completely given to you in the first uh, Odin kind of voiceover scene. Yeah. Like you like you don't walk out of that being like who is Malekith and why is he doing this? Like you have all the answers at that point. And I think one of the strengths of the first Thor movie was like here is Loki growing up alongside his brother and you see him become the villain. You don't get that with Malekith and it's we'll get into it more in spoilers, but it's I think, pretty boring. I think Marvel needs to 
<clears throat> step away from they need to learn from Loki. They don't need to use him as the ultimate tool of villainy. Yeah, he shouldn't be the crutch for this series of movies. And I understand why he I understand why they've relied on him to the extent that they did. It was mm-hmm. awesome that they brought him back for the Avengers. It made the most sense because he was the strongest villain that they had, but you're not going to have stronger villains if you don't take the time to develop yeah. them. Yeah. And I don't and you know, it's not I I think there's a little bit of a disconnect too with some people where they feel like every villain needs some sort of like tragic backstory and I need to feel sympathetic from I disagree with that I don't think every villain should feel sympathetic I don't need to know every aspect about every villain but in the case of Malekith I mean yes he's the voice is cool obviously Eccleston's been doing done the villain thing a few times he's got a commanding presence and I you know he was generally kind of creepy when he was on screen yeah. which is great but it doesn't make him that interesting yeah there was and I don't need to be, feel bad for him or like know exactly why exactly why he's doing what he's doing he can just be evil that's fine but there needs to be something about him where I go, oh man, I like watching this guy do this on screen. And I didn't ever I didn't I think, dislike watching him. I just didn't, I never felt any sort of like, man, Eccleston's own, he's chewing this scenery. It was just kind of... I know. was trying to think about like what's made a good villain for me in comic book movies. And naturally the first things that I jumped to would be the Batman films. And you don't get, like you don't, you don't have an origin for the Joker because the Joker doesn't need one. No. He's just an interesting guy to watch on screen. And they, mm-hmm. they gave him a lot to do. And same with even, like, um, you know, Ra's al Ghul's kind of a weird weird one to talk about, and you don't get a whole lot about him, but you kind of get bits and pieces, and it's just... All of the Nolan Batman villains really were all good, and none of them are particularly, like, hand-holdy origin. Like, Scarecrow, you don't know yeah. his origin yeah, the only at all, one, but the he leaves one, an instant impression on you. The only one you really get in the Nolan movies, uh, the real, like, true, like, rise and fall is Harvey Dent. Yeah. But... but that's what makes that character so interesting in the comics, yeah. too, is that yeah. he was, you know... So it... No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nolan did it right in that sense. He didn't have to beat you over the head with it. So like, what, what I what I meant in trying to bring that up, I was like... Because I was thinking, in Thor, you get to see Loki's... Tra- like, the tragedy of Loki's life comes... Mm-hmm. Like, you, you see all of that. It's definitely shown to you, and it's, de- it's not told to you, but... Um, but I don't think that's necessary. I think there's there's other ways to do it. But uh, you know, Malekith gets very little screen time, and the screen time that he does, it's you know, it's the Dark Elves themselves. Like just the way that they operate and how they are, it's not like you get a whole lot of character moments with them. Yeah, and I feel like there could have been a bit more, um, either through dialogue with him speaking to uh, Algrim. Yeah. Or, or, or even in the, the prologue that Odin narrates, a bit more about his personal stake in what was going on. Because I understand that he was trying to, you know, bring the world back to darkness because that's what they thrive in or whatever. Yeah. But there wasn't enough of, I don't know, he needed to lose something or there needed some, some sort of tragedy should have happened to him personally over the course. Yes, he kind of, I don't, I don't want to say too much, but I never felt like there was enough explained of what he had yeah, no, and I, I said to my dad it would have been nice instead of having the, the 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 Odin kind of exposition to maybe see what the world was like before, you know, the light had come, and then my dad made the smartest mark, well, it was all dark, how would you see any of it? And oh, I was geez. like, okay, well, thanks, Dad. Our yeah. dad jokes? <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only vibe I got was that kind of, it was an idea of once other life started to take shape, it encroached upon uh, Yeah, like Sparthelheim's, like... They well, I think them, the... Yeah. For me, one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem, is Thor and Malekith never... They never meet un- yeah. until it's to fight. That's true. They only have FaceTime together when there's a fight. Mm-hmm. There's never any dialogue Apple between them. Apple trademark FaceTime. 
There's no... There's no... <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's, yeah, there's never, like... Because I think part of the reason that the Batman villains are so memorable is we generally see how they impact the hero directly. That's true. And in this movie... A, you've got Thor anyway, who's so OP. It's awesome. Like, it's amazing. But OP, OP is overpowered, overpowered for those of you who aren't in our daily conversations. Midwest film, no trademark. <laughs> uh, he's so overpowered that you're never really con- that concerned for him anyway, yeah. which is fine. That's probably why I wasn't super invested. Like I said, I'm just going to watch the movie because I'm like, yeah, Thor's going to get thrown around and then he's going to win because that, that's what Thor does. But if he had had some interesting conversation with Malekith, if Malekith, because Loki had the line that was actually interesting... I don't think this is really a spoiler. I think it might have been one of the trailers, but... Brief spoiler tag, I guess. Well, he's talking to Frigga, and she says something about what a murderer Malekith is, and Loki says, Odin's killed thousands yeah. of people. Show me that conversation between Thor and Malekith. Like, make Malekith actually have an argument instead of just being like, I want to smother the world so that the 12 of me that are left can live. Like, that's not interesting at all. Yeah. Actually, have Thor be more like I love the Thor swagger. I love the wink and the nod and on all that about his attitude. But that's kind of the way the whole movie feels about Thor. It's like, and here's Thor, and he shows up, and you know he wins, and it's a lot of fun to watch. But it's not interesting. <laughs> it's not like the villain. There's a real hell. The the villainy between Thor trying to decide if he can trust Loki. The whole movie is more interesting than Malekith. Mm-hmm. Sure, it keeps cutting back, to, and that that sucks. <laughs> that's one thing too. Is I think I think when you have a villain that worked as well in the first Thor movie. As um, as Loki does, and then you bring Loki back. Obviously, Malekith is going to have a hard time to begin with yeah. as, as a character because people have already been invested in this this villain. So it's tough for you know what I mean. Like, but they didn't do him any favors to make him. Well, I think that's part know. of part of the reason it's almost kind of almost kind of a drag that Loki's even in the movie is because he it, just by being there detracts from the other villains because you're like. Oh, I want to watch Loki and Thor mm-hmm. continue to to which is very fun to, to deal with their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. The two of them, by the way, are are the, I mean, the chemistry between uh, Hiddleston and Hemsworth is so beyond the chemistry between Hemsworth and Portman that I feel like <laughs> yeah. that I feel like those two should just be in a romantic comedy together. Okay. No, uh, the, the two of them together, anytime they're on screen together, it's. But I think I think another part of it, and I remember saying this when remember initially they were they were trying to lock down Mads Mikkelsen for the casting, yeah. and we were both like, "Oh, that's awesome," and then they were like, "Oh, he can't do it because of Hannibal. We got Chris Eccleston instead." And I remember thinking, "It's the same as Hugo Weaving. He'll he's fine. He'll be fine, but he's not interesting." And, he, and I well, I don't. I think I think I think between Mads and Eccleston, it would have been fine either way. They just needed to give more to Malekith. Well, sure. I think Mads would have played it. I think he might have been more interesting to watch, is all I'm saying. Like, yeah, they wouldn't have had to put any makeup on his face. <laughs> Not much. They would have saved some production. Eccleston budget. was just so there. Yeah. He's got a cool voice, but that his face doesn't do anything the whole movie. He just kind of walks around and talks. And I understand like, what you're saying, though. He, and, and, and I think that <laughs> Red Skull and, and Malekith are the most comparable Marvel villains so far. Because they don't do anything. That's, they're not bad villains. They don't. The performances are fine. They're... they're they're perfectly serviceable. They, yeah, they serve but a that's purpose, it. but yeah. There's no, yeah, so just bland, Un- unremarkable. Mm-hmm. And that's I a shame because you have that doesn't happen. This I want my board. You can't you can't waste your your movie. You have a movie, and you can't really waste a villain. You can't introduce a new villain and and kind of just be like, eh, he's there to be a bad guy. It's all about the hero, which is kind of interesting. Like <clears throat> thinking about it, none of these movies are going to have Ultron in them, right? 
we're not going to have like we're going we're going to be dealing with Ultron in Age of Ultron. So are they just going to be kind of like is Winter Soldier is Winter Soldier even like the main villain? That's kind of a question that we have. Sure. And then on top of that, is he going to be worth anything because we know that he's not going to be coming back? Like they're not going to spend the time to they're not are they going to spend the time to develop him? And, and I don't know. That's an even weirder case too because of Bucky, but that's I don't know. Um any final thoughts before we go into spoilers? Um, I don't know. I, we spent a lot of time, obviously, kind of talking about Eccleston and how he's kind of, eh, you know, he's yeah. in the character more so than Eccleston. But, yeah. but I, I will say that uh, that you know, for those of you that aren't joining us for spoiler territory, don't let that dissuade you from seeing the movie. I think no, we'll yeah, agree it's, that it's, it's you know, there's, no, you there's certainly enough worth there. Oh yeah. To, yeah, to, to check the out. action is really sweet, especially in the third act. Absolutely, Absolutely. like yeah. I, there was actually an original action sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very original, and it's and it's fun. It's fun to watch. Like just not not even just the action, but just the people playing these roles. Like you know, except for mm-hmm. maybe Fandral. Uh, uh, Fandral. Oh uh, God, Nick's Nick's, uh, yeah. Nick's side of things. But like watching Volstag and Sif and watching everybody interact, I think they're really kind of getting into their characters and solidifying. Yeah, a lot of them are having fun with it. Yeah, and I and I that's, that's <laughs> I forgot that was one of my big criticisms. I hated Zachary Levy as Angel. <laughs> Hate. Uh, he wasn't around enough to bother me. So. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go into spoiler Terry. Uh, so we'll be right back. And uh, spoiler Terry, join us if you dare. Alright, we are now in spoiler Terry for Thor the Dark World. Uh, so first off, how about that Cap cameo? Oh my god! Wow! Thank, yeah. Thanks for just busting that out right away, sir. <laughs> it was awesome. You robbed Willie of his of his moment. No, was... no, I'm happy. <laughs> let's let's get to that. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, and it it brought such an absolute and utter grin, like just, just such joy. You know, the only thing that ma- it was amazing. It, it's it's one of the best cameos probably in any movie I've ever seen, because. Evans plays it so well. Yeah. He's so... Oh, my God. He's so good. That's but just he, such a drag. It's he, not actually Cap. <laughs> he, yeah. He that's, plays it... He, that, did, he, play, he plays it as though he is Loki being Captain America, which is... Which is great. It's a cool... It's a good skill to have. And but. it proves how well... How good of an actor he really is, yeah. that he can play Loki playing the character that he normally plays. But um, I, I had heard some rumors. I, I didn't know that for sure that he was in it, but I heard some rumors early on that maybe Cap would have a cameo. And so the only thing that was disappointing about it for me, obviously, was, was I was really hoping Cap. it was actually Cap. And like, I'm like, I want the bromance to begin. Like, cause <laughs> yeah. it, I didn't get too much bromance in in, uh, in Avengers. So not yet. But, but it was it was it was very cool. Yeah, I enjoy- and that apparently that was one of the last scenes that they shot. That was one of the things that they went back and added to the movie, along with the kind of bridge from Avengers. Yeah, Loki and Chains at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And, and I will say there will be a deleted scene on the Blu-ray. I just found out. Of, I heard about this today. Of Hiddleston shooting that transformation scene with Hiddleston in full Captain America gear. That's awesome. <laughs> doing, an, doing an impression of Evans. So that is funny. That'll be good. Um, okay. Uh, other spoilers. What else do we want to cover? <laughs> um, I think we should just knock the other one out real quick. Just get it out of the way. The stupid ending. That, that's that's well. Let's knock out the after credits thing real quick. Okay. 
Okay, so we have one after credits that's a little bit more Thanos and one that's a little bit more Shorma. The Shorma one was fine. I thought it was kind of humorous. I liked the frost giant monster thing. Yeah. I, I liked that we saw him again. That was kind of cool. Like another one of those big giant beasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it was a cool callback. Yeah, it was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it gave me, gave me warm feelings from the first Thor, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Warm feelings on a cold planet, am I right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really stupid. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the other one was uh, the not, collector. Not trademark Midwest. No, no, not a trademark. <laughs> We're gonna let that one lie. Um, Feel free to scoop that one up. The collector was the other, obviously. The Benicio del Toro as the collector. Yes, as as Mugatu from <laughs> Jacobi Mugatu, um, which was very cool. So tonally weird and different from everything that came before it that it's almost a little jarring, like Pink Robot Girl. But I didn't give a damn because it was so cool. Do you think that um, as we've seen with Previous, uh, previous after credit scenes, particularly, I'm thinking um, Thor's hammer from Iron Man Two, mm, and uh, God, I remember that. Is that the only one that has actually been in the next movie that it was in? Um, yes, yeah, a variation of that scene was in, but the, the other ones haven't been included. Okay, okay. The I Thor hammer. Think, yeah, oh yeah, they reshot that though. I think be... for the movie, I don't think it was carbon copy. Yeah. Of that scene, it might not be. Yeah, I, th- I don't think this is going to be in, in Guardians. Okay. I don't. Yeah. It'd be weird to watch a self-contained Guardians movie and have all of a sudden Volstagg and Sif walk in. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Kind of cool, but it'd be cool. But it would be, be cool. Like if that scene plays out and then the Collector turns around and the Guardians were like waiting in the next room or yeah. something. It'd be kind of interesting. That would be neat, actually. But I, I don't see them doing that. I guess no. Um, just out of fear that the audience would be like, "What? Aren't you in Thor? Like, I don't know." Um, but I, I, his performance is so wacky and so cool. <laughs> And like, it, it feels very... It, I, I, I'm happy after seeing this scene that we know that Marvel is not muting James Gunn at all. <laughs> it felt very James Gunn, and, and I think he described uh, Benicio's performance as uh, Space Liberace, space Liberace yeah. which is totally what he's doing. <laughs> um, also, uh, for, all you, for all you Marvel zombies out there, uh, Adam Warlock's cocoon is in a case in the background, which is pretty awesome. So... Yeah, and then of course we got Infinity Stone mention, mm-hmm. which is to me was to me like the collector was cool, but like hearing that mention was even cooler. Because you know it, that the Infinity Gauntlet is going to be it's around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like we were talking afterwards that it's interesting that the Tesseract and the Aether are those are the Infinity Stones. Apparently, those are two. Sure, and I think that you know even if I've heard some people kind of upset online about like how does that work and I'm like well maybe they power the stones that are in the gauntlet maybe they're not like maybe you don't have a key, giant cube sticking out of it like relax yeah. fanboys no, it's gonna yeah. be okay you know um I loved that though it was, it was the best after credit scene we've gotten and well since Thanos so it's cool yeah. alright um okay so I think to the meat of it all um I know something that Nick and I were dissatisfied with and I'm not sure how if you're dissatisfied with it or not but the idea that uh, Loki ends up on the throne of Asgard mm, yeah. in the in the end of the movie, um, I I personally would have been happier if they just kind of showed the scene of, you know, the quote unquote guard on Svartalheim, uh, you know, slinking away to the ship that's in the background. Like if they would have just shown that, I would have been like, okay, you know, Loki's still out there. That's good. But the fact yeah. that we've kind of like, and it's weird too because I I like I think there was a slash film story or something where Tom Hiddleston kind of plays it as now I am there in the throne of Odin so that we can play it off as like, like if they choose to go that way, they could have Loki be a part of the next Thor movie. 
Sure. Rather than, I personally feel as though this kind of pot commits them to, like, why would Loki be sitting on the throne doing nothing if he knows that Thor isn't going to be, like, around Asgard Sure. Much? It's... Yeah, it's it's a weird... It's it's certainly a weird ending, um, and it... I was... I had a conversation about it with uh, Nikki afterwards, and, and there were two things that got brought up. One was, what exactly are Loki's powers? Because it... I mean, yes, he can shape change and whatnot. We've we've discovered that, and he can, he has, certainly has manipulation of reality and whatnot to a certain extent. But I I don't understand. I mean, certainly he was the guard that came back. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand how, what did he do to Odin? How did did he beat Odin? In a, I don't see that yeah. happening. So that was a little weird. Um, at, but for me, more so, the motivation his motivations are what are bothering me at this point. And we talked about this a few times beforehand. I think we all agreed that I don't want. Yes, Loki's typically a villain, and a, you know he's mischievous and stuff in the comics, but it doesn't work for movies. Like you can't have a guy bounce around back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and it's starting to get a little tired now. Yeah. Um. I. It makes you wonder. Okay, was he was his whole reason for joining this quest to defeat Malekith and helping out Thor? Was it all? Did he have this all planned out so he could take the throne, or did he just jump on the opportunity of faking his death when he saw? I'm inclined to think the latter. But it makes you... I don't know. It, yeah. It's a little frustrating because every time you feel like you're getting some emotional... some tr- You're peeling back the layers of the Loki character and you're really getting where he's at, like what he what he's all about. Then he does something where you're like, what the, what the hell, yeah. man? Like, you know. So, I mean, I, I feel like he did feel for the loss of his mother. I think it's pretty obvious that he did. Um, but it just makes you wonder, like, what... You know, like... He took a he took a big spear to the chest. Like, how did he fake that? What, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and it's, it's the 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 vulnerability of the Asgardians is pretty nebulous as well. Because sure, but it's you know I, that's but it, yeah, it's it's interesting, and I and I think that uh, I heard a really cool thing online about a rumor about not a rumor but like a speculation thing about what if he he did die and his his sacrifice was not what he was you know when he said I'm sorry to Thor he was legitimate. When he went down to hell, which is, you know, also exists in the Asgardian Nine Realms, um, he met with Hela, or the the queen of of that realm, and they made some sort of deal to switch spots with Odin. Mm, Okay. Which is something that we could figure out, you know. I mean, I think that was a neat theory, at least, you know, so. And uh, one other thing about that, I, I felt as though it undercut Thor's realization that he can't be king, or that he doesn't want to be king. Like sure. I, I feel like his uh, that conversation with Odin just kind of gets completely undercut when you see that it's Loki. But mm-hmm. Nick, what did you have any feelings on the matter? Um, any thoughts? <laughs> a couple of thoughts start away. I I just I really hated that <laughs> that ending. I just thought it was stupid. It was bad bad decision. It really felt too like one of those things we were, we were discussing that they it was a late like rewrite. Like oh hey this will be cool. Mm-hmm. Like oh man, Hiddleston guys, check the internet reports. Hiddleston's really blown up. Yeah, we need Tag to keep him around. There. Yeah, like I I totally bought into Loki's death. I was like, that was awesome. Like I thought yeah. he actually died, and I was like, dang, that was really cool. I Can was you like, just say for a second to that entire sequence when they get to Svartalfheim, the um, and they're up on the ridge. As soon as they're up mm-hmm. on the ridge and they start walking down. That, with the standoff and everything, that whole sequence from beginning to end, like, I was legitimately, like, concerned for everybody. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's that one of the cool. first times in a comic book movie, because most of the time you're not afraid for anybody, but, like, 
like, you know, Thor gets his hand chopped off, and I'm like, what in God's name is going... Like, I believed it. I'm like, holy crap, they're going there. He's going to get a an Aquaman water hand or something. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then Jane, you start thinking, like, she's going to croak. And yeah. it, it was very cool. And, and the curse and, and Thor fight was so brutal, and so, like, you really felt... I really felt like Thor could get actually, like, get killed by curse, and yeah. he wouldn't, but... I, I don't know. I love that whole sequence. Yeah, I was disappointed... I'm disappointed in Marvel for not committing to, like, anything. Just c- make a decision and commit to it. Like, if you're going to kill a character, don't don't be comic books, be movies. If you're going to be comic books, then actually do the things from the comic that are cool instead of changing those, too. Like, they're just super wishy-washy about where what they want to do. And the lack of... I just can't buy into any of it at this point. I'm like, well, what what good is, like, now, you know, in, in Avengers 2 or something, Hawkeye or someone will die, and I'll be like, well, they'll be back, though. Yeah, or they won't, true. and then it'll be stupid. It's just well, I personally, the only person that I really ever, obviously, I guess I felt that way about Coulson after the Avengers because it just seemed about right. But Loki, Loki's the one person who you could kill, and I will never ever think is dead because he's a trickster. He's a trickster. You never know. Yeah. but sure, I understand that's his nature in, in the comics, and so by by doing what they did in the movie, it kind of reinforced the idea that Loki is just pure evil. He is a bad guy. He's not a good guy. Yeah. But they did such a good job in the movie of changing of, my yeah. mind because I'm full, like, I'm a full fan of Loki being a, being the baddest villain there is. Like, people are like, oh, I want to see a Loki solo movie. And I'm like, no, what? That'd be ridiculous. Or people are saying he's going to be like an anti-hero now. And no, that's stupid. He's a bad guy. And so the movie did reinforce that, but it's just... <laughs> It was such a great scene, and I read, too, that Hiddleston, when he read the script, he bought it. He was like, holy shit, I die. Like, that's awesome. And he was totally into it and uh, totally bought into the, the idea that Loki was going to die. And he was like, yes, this is going to be my great death scene. And it was so good. I was like, wow, this is a great idea because let's, let's progress this franchise here. And it was a, it was a really solid death scene. Like, Oh, yeah, it was, it was really good. It was handled really well. And uh, it just feels like a step backwards now because the, the whole – this movie didn't push anybody anywhere. It's just a lateral from the first Thor. Nothing really, nothing changes. I think the only the only thing that I, I, I would totally agree with that in almost every aspect. The only thing I disagree with is there is a, there is a, a bit of a change with Thor. I, I like the fact that in the first one, he's not worthy of the throne. And in this one, he, he has totally proved his worth. He's brought peace to the Nine Realms. He saved everybody. And then he chooses not to take the throne. Yeah. But, you know, because by the, by the beginning of the first Thor, he's like, yes, I would be king, you know, and then by the yeah, end of the, the, end like, of the first not. Thor, he's still not really... Yeah, that's true, but he's, he's at least earned it throughout the course of this movie and what we haven't seen, but, you know, in between the films. And I think it, I, that's the one thing where I thought, okay, I liked that development. I think, I think Thor definitely had some development, and I kind of wish that they would have played up the idea that you get this real glimpse in the middle there where... Um, where Odin's just like, no, we're going to sit and they're going to come to us. You're being stupid. You know, the difference between us and, like, and Thor's like, what is the difference between you and Malekith if you're willing to have all your people die? And then and uh, Odin's just like, the difference is I'm going to win. And I think it's very interesting that you see a completely different kind of cocky headstrongness come out of Odin than you do in Thor. Like it's it's not like you, that glimpse of Odin is something that you see in Thor in the first. There's movie. a bit of role reversal there. Yeah, and I wish that it would have been played up a little more. And I like that the fact that when you see Odin again, he's like, "I said that there would never be a, a smarter king, and I was wrong." And then I didn't care about it because it was Loki anyway. Yeah, yeah, and it but, made sense. I mean, I think that I think that some people could be. I, I, 
I wasn't bothered by it, but I feel like some people who might be bothered by Hopkins' portrayal this time around, it's a little different. You know, he's a little bit angrier and more stern with it. But I mean, to be honest, I mean, look what the guy's been through at this point. Like, he had his one son almost destroy everything twice, and, you know, is now, he locked him in his He thought dungeon, he was dead. And, and he then, came back, yeah. and then he, yeah. And, I mean, he just lost his, his wife. His so wife. there's, there's a, you kind of see him almost, you almost see him regress to what I would assume a young, more tempestuous Odin was probably back when his dad was saying, yeah. hey, quit being a punk, you know. I mean, I, I could buy that Odin was a young young buck who got his spear thrown down to earth and had to learn a lesson too, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's certainly, uh, certainly possible. But can we just talk about how beautiful Asgard is in this movie? That's gorgeous. Like, it totally, it definitely looks different from, well, not completely different, but it... It has a different. It's shot differently. And you it see has more bit, of it too. Yeah. It's just, yeah, but it feels more like a like a legitimate universe. And I feel like in this one than it did perhaps in. We don't see a ton of it, like you said in in yeah. in, in, in Branagh's, and that might be one of the small improvements um, from this one over the first one. Is that it feels more uh, more lived in, more realized. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and that's, that's cool, and uh, I like the. I like the idea, the ideas that they present in this of the the defensive dome that comes yep. around, the turrets that kind of sit up on. The, it feels like a legitimate, like it, it, this is a, a warring, you know, civilization. I don't know. It was very cool. It felt like a legitimate place. So I liked that. Nick, I just got a I got a really intense like Star Wars Episode One e vibe from Asgard in this movie. Did you? Yeah, like all the design of everything, the turrets, like you mentioned, the ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Asgard, I thought, looked like a lot like like the scene. Maybe it's just because it was Natalie Portman there as well. But it, just, <laughs> it felt very Nabooey, like him, him and her standing by the water, and him them like kissing. I was just like, oh, yeah. When she was like, "There's always a bigger fish." Oh no! Which no, movie was know, that no, I can see what you're saying. I totally from, can. Well, it was quite engine that, that and definitely on his way from. Just a, I don't know a lot I of totally, it. I totally see where you're coming. A lot from. of it in this movie was was corn, really cornbally <laughs> with Asgard Damn and Alex. Jane. <laughs> the relationship with Jane, I'm I'm just really tired of too. It just feels mm. so shoehorned, and it it sucks knowing like behind the scenes that Natalie Portman wants nothing to do with it, yeah, and they yeah. just are. She's so checked out, and not that it reads on screen too much. Like she does a I good job. I think she job. does an okay job. Yeah. yeah, but but I'm just I'm like, well, let's let's move on anyway. I guess I just want I don't know. I want the the character of Thor to change somewhat. I didn't feel enough change from him in this movie. I expected this to be the movie that really ground him into the dirt. Like, I expected more nasty things to happen, but in the end, like, only Frigga dies, which sucks. And it was a good... The funeral scene was good. Uh, but I just didn't feel any change in this movie, and I, I count a lot on that second installment to really swing a lot of momentum into the third one. Because there's not... I don't think there's much carrying me into the third one in this one. Unless the third one is the one where they're like, alright, Surtur's showing up. Battery Bill's showing up. Like, I did like the full. glimpse of Muspelheim. Yeah, yeah, for that sure. That was pretty cool. It got me excited because I'm like, all right, it's a, in there somewhere. They, they know this this place exists at the very least. So, I, where I, was that? Um, when when they're fighting at the end, and you see kind of a kind of a shot of like the nine realms as like these small little ovals yeah. in the sky. There's a flaming oh, realm, like a straight okay. lava and that's one. Muspelheim. You see it a couple times. I think when yeah. when Malekith is looking at them aligning to mm-hmm. you, do yeah, you, you see, see it. Because we saw we saw we see we see Midgard, we see Asgard, we see we see Vanaheim, Vanaheim's Varthelheim, Jotunheim, Muspelheim. Muspelheim. A brief glimpse of Muspelheim. We do not see Norn Norn Nornheim. Like, the, but those first five are the ones that you actually like. Yes. We spend time in. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. but yeah, I, I think it's. 
I think they're gradually working their way into um, getting, and this movie kind of starts it, but they're gradually working their way into kind of getting into the uh, the Walter Simonson stuff. Yeah. And I think that we're going to see something along the lines of the Loki, Odin, Thor charging headstrong in a battle finally with Surtur, all three of them, finally united for a common cause kind of thing. I think it's going to happen at some point. How that's going to go down with Loki being on the throne, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. It, it, it should be interesting. I, I like. I agree with you guys. I'm not nuts about the Loki on the throne thing because it definitely undercuts a lot of the ending. It just yeah. feels like... It feels like one of those horror movie endings where, like, the, the creature jumps back up from the dead yeah. of the camera oh, or something. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I, I'm still excited for a Thor 3 because I think that this one did so much right that they can only learn from the, the mistakes of this one and and, and, uh, and further it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, God, I just like this movie. No, I like it more. The more, the more I'm talking about it, I'm like... I'm like that's good. Yeah, it's a good thing. That's good. Absolutely. Um, i trying to think of anything else. I do have a good segue into our feedback. We could we could just go for it, man. Okay, so uh, Frigga dies, and she gets this really beautiful like memorial service kind of thing. One of the coolest looking scenes in the movie. And then it gets kind of immediately undercut with the uh, Eric Selvig in the the, the Stanley cameo of the movie. They mm-hmm. they take the Stanley cameo of the movie and put it immediately after this really beautiful uh, funeral scene. Yep. And that kind of brings us into the the feedback for this episode, brought to us by the one and only Gojo. <clears throat> is this is this feedback spoiler? Yes, this allowed? is this is this is spoiler allowed feedback. Okay, I will good. I will make sure that there's a note of that. Okay. I just want to um, make sure. So I, I think it'd be hard to talk about without spoiling. Mm-hmm. Much, but spoilers for any Marvel movie, and you've probably seen them all at this point if you're listening to this. But anyway. Uh, Gojo says, "I'd like to pose a question for the podcast. Do you think Marvel is playing up the humor too much in their film or in their films too much?" Gojo says, "Yes. While the Marvel Studios films have never been strangers to humor, the most recent films, Thor: The Dark World, Iron Man 3, and Avengers, really seem to be playing it up. In Phase One films, the humor lightened the mood and broke up the more serious personal moments, and really helped invest viewers in the characters. Recently, the humor is brought more to the front." and in the dark world in particular, comes at the expense of the film's conflict and character, and it feels more like an action comedy than it should have. Being an acclaimed star of stage and screen that I am, once starring in a stage, a stage production of The Wizard of Oz, among others, I certainly understand the value of humor, but playing for laughs can really harm the story if you take it too far. Discuss. Do you feel that Marvel is overplaying the humor card? If yes, why do you think they are doing it? Are there specific moments in Thor or another film where the humor came at the expense of the narrative, i.e. Eric Selvig running around naked while funny served no purpose to the character or the story? And then he says, Is Chris Hemsworth big enough to play Thor in this movie? Follow up, how inadequate did you feel as a man when presented with Chris Hemsworth's (laughs) ridiculous shirtless physique? Am I just full of shit with all this? Feel free to skip this question. Thanks for listening. Please send feedback to feedback at gojo.com and KyleXY. Well, thank you, Gojo, for that thought-provoking... Question. Yeah, um, I, I suppose I gave my, my my example from this movie where I feel as though he's absolutely com- correct. And there's definitely a, a few more. I mean, even after the the Loki fake out, uh, when you think he's he's 
this character that you've you've grown invested in is dead. Yeah, there's almost an immediate joke in a cave about it, and then a, for, you know another joke right afterwards. Absolutely, uh, yeah. The joke the joke with Selvig and, and like oh he's dead. About, Great. Like oh is your brother gonna be? Yeah, like that just felt so. It was just like man, I just watched this dude get killed, like, and finally admit that he was wrong about something. I think this movie's the worst offender. It is. It wasn't a gigantic problem for me, but I think I think it's something that they like that. The, the idea that they're going to stick the Stanley cameo right after a death scene is just... They, they didn't need to lift it back up from there. I think they yeah. could have continued up. But, Nick, what do you think? Um, I didn't mind it so much. I think yeah. Thor's kind of the character where, for me, the humor... I kind of like the amount of humor. This one's definitely funnier than the first Thor. The first Thor's... I don't know. Oh god, there's so many more jokes. All the stuff in this when movie. he's first adjusting to Earth is pretty hilarious. That's true. But maybe, it's way maybe more, it's like it's way more spread out. Yeah, that, that's really, yeah. And Thor, true. the low points of Thor one, like the heavy parts, are way heavier than in this movie. Mm. Um, but I think Thor is really that character for me, right? I like the hum- I think having the, the the jokes kind of unify these two really alien worlds, and I kind of I don't know. It just kind of feels like something in real life where you there can be somebody. Who speaks a totally other language? Who's from a totally different country? But you can both laugh at something, sure. and it kind of unifies it and smooths it over. I think in that regard, humor is kind of integral to the Thor movies because mm. it helps blend the two worlds in a way that is just is interesting. Like the line when Darcy asks him, she says something about space. How's space? How's space? He says space is fine. It's just hilarious because he plays See, it so straight. That's interesting because you're kind of almost saying it as like um, these characters should be laughing together because it makes sense for them to bond over that, but it's not. No, we we are laughing at them the 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 disparities between the two worlds. That's which, what I'm saying is that the humor allows I think us to kind of find a way to, to connect the, connect the two worlds. Yeah, and there's, there's there's some very rectify. subtle like I think that anytime they're like they're subtle about the humor in, the, in this movie like space is fine. That's a really just a subtle joke, but it's really funny. And there's other ones that or don't even have words. The yeah. on the ha- or it's getting a, in Jane's car. It's how, just how giant he is in the car. But Thor hysterical. Thor is a funny character, and Thor is if you play Thor super duper straight, he'd come off as totally goofy you'd be like this guy is like a six foot five just norse sounding dork yeah who's not fabio yes exactly the fact that they can make him a little almost bumbling and like just weird on earth sure i think makes the character more a little more human but how do you feel about the moments like i said like the the fact that after frigga's death you get the stanley cameo and this ridiculous it didn't really bother me too much because that feels very like 80s adventure movie to me where you'd have like a heavy like a heavy on. beat and then you'd have a little bit of humor to kind of bring it back up yeah that like one it's kind of an indiana, kind of indiana jonesy okay. type feel where something obviously grim it's a very adventure movie to me i okay. see what you're saying uh i think the the interesting the more interesting point of what gojo said is does any of the humor help advance the character and he points out a couple moments where it does yeah um he, yeah, that, I think that's a concern. You can't have jokes just for jokes' sake. That's weird. Selvig's kind of just like... I don't even know why he's in this movie. He's kind of a tool. Like, the tech that he provides could have been Jane's stuff. Yeah, he feels like a Michael Bay character. It's a carryover movie. from... I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that's a good way to put he it. He does it's feel like a, a Michael Bay it's character. It's a carryover from Adventures, which bothers me. And like, he's, I he's... I mean, I don't... I always like seeing Skarsgård, so I wasn't, I love, like, I wasn't I love sad Skarsgård, about it. No. And he's he's, he's, he's... he's He can be a very funny guy. It just... You're absolutely right. He didn't. He was not necessary to this movie. He didn't hinder it for me by any means. He just wasn't necessary. I think it was just because, for whatever reason, Marvel felt that they needed Selvig to show back up. Okay. Um, no, the, but the the Frigga or the Frigga thing didn't bother me as much, really enough. 
I think it's going to bother me now that you mentioned it and then when I watch it again. Um, but it's just a weird juxtaposition to. It is. It is strange. Okay. The one that bothered me a lot was the during the final battle. I was totally okay with the humor involved. I like I, okay. The portals are, are were a good way to inject some humor because you know things like him showing up in the subway. Like what the hell? Like <laughs> yeah. The only problem with that is it does break up the it urgency does. of the fight. Yeah. You know. There, there's an urgency to what's going on here. The planets are about to align. He's about to unleash. There's no... So when you're stopping every five seconds to make a joke... And the one that really got to me for some reason was... The Meow Meow? No, that didn't no. bother me at all. I thought it was funny because it was a callback to a movie I love. So what do I care? <laughs> but um, Malekith and Thor sliding on the glass and both going... Ooh, and making mm-hmm. goofy, bumbling sounds. I was like, this is dumb. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but why isn't the villain I'm supposed to be afraid of going... Ooh, oh no. Like, it's, it was really dumb. And, and, and to be honest... The uh, they totally make the dark elves look like chumps too at the in the end fight unintentionally like literally all they're doing the entire time is just going just running hut, around hut, yeah hut, it's, hut, like, it's like a just Benny chasing Hill I'm telling you it's episode one fever they're, <laughs> they're battle droids yeah they kind of feel like battle droids all but, right what what about um what about other movies in the cinematic universe like I for me personally Downey Jr. puts so much humor and wit into Tony Stark that those movies being as funny as they are is totally okay with me but is there anywhere else that you feel as though I think there's a reason for why Marvel's doing it I think there's two reasons I think one is that like you said Iron Man Iron Man was a huge surprise success and I think people sometimes forget that that like they were not I mean they were they were banking on Iron Man to do well obviously because it was their first real venture but I don't think that anybody necessarily expected it to do as well as it did and I think a huge I mean obviously Robert Downey Jr. made that movie and and a huge part of Robert Downey Jr. is the humor he provides. Yeah. So I think there's a desire for Marvel to continue that because they know it's a formula that works. Yeah. Also, I think that they want to differentiate themselves from some of the more grim and gritty comic book films that have become popular over the last 10 years or so. I think they want to show that they're doing things very differently. And I think they just need to let it happen naturally. I guess I'm kind of more with Nick. It hasn't bothered me too much thus far, but I could see it getting out of hand at some point. I don't want to watch the Ant-Man movie and have it be a fucking comedy. I'm sorry. I don't want that. I want it to be funny because inherently the idea of a man shrinking and growing should be kind of humorous in some ways, but it should not be a comedy. And that there's a, there's somewhat of a concern. I I could see it getting out of hand if it, if it's not kept in check and they don't really, they realize that, Yes, you can. Differ- you should differentiate yourselves. Yes, you should have fun with it and like be more true to the comic books and their their comic roots, but don't sacrifice drama and tension and character for the sake of a cheap joke. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. So no, so yeah. far, I'm okay with it, but I think that I can see why Gojo's concerned. I can see why you were bothered by the one you were bothered by, and I, and to be honest, I was bothered once or twice. And I think a big part of I think it's a big internet thing on the internet right now is as you, you guys know I read a ton of internet crap and I go on the message boards all the time. People are complaining about it. People are pretty pissed. Like they're saying like this is a comedy. This movie is like more funny than it is serious. And they they they're still reeling from the Iron Man three uh, situation with with the Mandarin twist, which was a joke. It's funny. Yeah. Um. That's that's actually the best example. I think I'm surprised he didn't single that out because I know he's. Not he's, a huge he's insanely torn about the... He's become weirdly, like, accepting of it, though. And <laughs> I, I, it's kind of fun. Like, we talked a lot about Trevor not too long ago. It was, it was fun. It's, well, that one's weird, because it's kind of, um... That one's not... At least it's not... I don't think it's... It's not a sole purpose of being a joke. No, it's not. 
It, it, it serves but a that's purpose, one they so. were not disciplined with, though. I remember sitting in the theater, and, like, the twist happened, and I was like, wow, that's interesting. And then the scene proceeded to be silly for, like, three minutes, and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I remember sitting there going, this feels forced. I didn't feel any... I This is totally not related, but I feel zero chemistry between Downey and Don Cheadle. I'll just say that. When the two of them are riffing off each other, I'm like, this is so boring. And I think <laughs> that a, a big factor, if Marvel's going to continue to... Have, Tom Hiddleston for Brody. Have the have the jokey, <laughs> the jokiness. There's there's got to be some chemistry there though. Well, it's yeah, got to feel like the, natural. The buddy cop stuff that was happening with Thor and Loki in this worked way better than the buddy cop stuff happening with Brody and and, and Stark. That's and I funny. think part of it is all uh, just the fatigue. I'm so tired of Tony Stark's mouth. Like, it the first Iron Man did a great job of of being disciplined about it because he, he'd be very he'd be very funny at the right times, but it wasn't his defining trait. His defining trait was his genius, not that he was a smarmy dickhead. Sure. And now that's kind of overshadowed for me. I feel like everyone's playing up the smarmy dickhead aspect of Tony Stark and not the here's the underdog story of how this guy pulled it off. Because the first Iron Man, the, the one scene that has always stuck with me is that one where he's watching the news mm-hmm. and he sees the terrorist organization still active and he proceeds to with blow up weapons, most of his lab yeah. with his one gauntlet because Downey played that dramatic scene really really sure. well and he does that a couple times you can see that same kind of vibe from and the scene the scene that sticks with me uh from Hulk is uh the part where she like takes his picture outside the truck and it's like this really sad moment where these two actually connect as as humans and, and it it's never the funny things in Thor 1 it's him trying to pull the hammer out and failing it oh mm-hmm. yeah it's always the heavy... Those are the moments that define the characters, not the sliding down the windshield of a 747. Like, yeah, sure. So I think they... As long as... I'm all I'm all for the jokes. I think they're funny. A lot of these characters, even in the written form and a lot of the comics, there's some really awesome jokes. Mm-hmm. Like in the... In and the yeah, and comic, comic books are even quite jokey, even in the in the more serious sure, parts. absolutely. But they're totally different mediums. And I think for, yeah. for your, your two hours of cinema, you've got to have... You have a few jokes, for sure, but you've got to stick to... Making the defining traits of those characters are usually the struggles. That's what movies have always been about. Sure. There's a protagonist, there's a struggle, there's a problem, and a resolution. There's yeah, not, yeah, there's not I, eight trip and fall jokes in between. I think I think one of the things too is they have they have to uh, they they can't force jokes into the script just because they're like there's we've gone too long without a joke because mm-hmm. that's the jokes that you get when it, <laughs> joke timer. <laughs> seriously, like okay, uh, we've got twenty pages LPM. here. Just 20 pages here without a joke. Make it, make get two in there. Well, and I, I, don't, I hate to go back. I don't want to go back to the Batman movies for it, but there are jokes throughout all three of those, too. Sure, yeah, but they're quick. Sure. And, they're, and they're, they're chemistry-related. The jokes between Lucius Fox and Bruce Wayne are awesome. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're purely... They succeed because of the chemistry. And I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm still just reeling over the fact that Gojo didn't mention that <laughs> in Iron Man 3. It's really surprising. No uh, for his next feedback, he'll have to he'll have to write in, talk about that. But but for for a lot of face too, like Captain America too, does not look jokey at all. No, I'm sure that well, there will be humor in it. That you usually don't see a lot of the humorous stuff in the trailers for these movies either. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, like, like the Thor- a big spoilery and one in the end of the Thor trailer. Yeah, yeah. God, that was annoying. But uh, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think that was one's it, going to take itself. Anyone, el- anyone yes. else when he smashed? The it was head. the whole scene. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah. basically the yeah. Yeah, um, I think that I think that that one's going to be a little bit more straightforward, and, and I mean, there will be jokes, and there should be jokes. I don't, you know, I don't know. We could go on forever about this, but I don't think it's a is a major problem yet. But I can totally understand why people are upset with it, and I can see it becoming a problem. All right, you made me so nervous with that, man. When you said that, I'm just like, oh god, you're right. I'd be right. 
Edgar Wright, I mean, he's right. There's, oh. there, there's, there's a concern there. Edgar Wright is we'll traditionally see. known for comedies, and so is Paul Rudd. So, oh, good. well, we don't, we don't. I know that's not confirmed, but un, un, uh, yeah. Uh, let us know how you felt about this discussion, Victor. Right into feedback at movementsfilmers.com. How cool else. is that? If you're a fan of our podcast, <laughs> we will actually address you by name. Yeah, if you comment on our Facebook stuff or you email us, I will actually say your name on air. More than so once. If you're like me and you want to hear people talk about you, then I do like that. write into us. Can we review Victor as a human being <laughs> next week? We know he works for uh, Jimmy John's, I think, or Subway. Yes. I already like him even a more. Sub, a, a sandwich somewhere, shop. Somewhere in the Pennsylvania area? Yes. Good stuff. Yes. Um... Anyway, feedback at MidwestFilmNews.com. Wow. Dot com. Let me know how much I can't talk anymore now that I haven't done a podcast in like three weeks. Uh, feedback at MidwestFilmNews.com. Uh, check us out on Twitter at MFN Podcast. Um, Instagram Vine. Instagram Vine. Find our Twitter accounts on the website, MidwestFilmNews.com, where I also put up uh, full show notes for every episode. And um, Music and artwork. Music and artwork. <laughs> ah! Thanks to Mr. John on Twitter, my brother, for our artwork and music. And uh, that's about it. Uh, Kyle Clay, Russian.